This panel discussion was recorded at the recent Western Australian Brewers Association conference in Perth. Brews News was able to attend to host and record these panels thanks to the generous support of Bintani. And we thank Bintani for their support, not only of us, but also those brewers in attendance at the conference and those unable to attend in person. Bintani, supplying the brewing industry with a wide range of quality brewing ingredients since 1995. Welcome to this panel discussion on creating a world past brew pub. Uh, my name is Matt Kirkegaard, editor of Australian Brews News and the Radio Brews News uh, podcast. I won't say that every session today, but I just, anyone that didn't know. Uh, and this is the creating a world class brew pub session. Once almost an afterthought for many breweries whose main focus was wholesaling beer, the brewery tap room has grown to become the mainstay of many a modern brewing experience. But what makes a world class brew pub experience for the consumer? Is a brew pub just a hospitality venue with the same challenges as any other venue? Or has the role of the brew pub changed as the beer industry has evolved? To discuss this and much, much more, I'm joined by Carrie Watson in the middle, who has only this week started as the Group Operations Manager of Hospitality for Lion, where she joined immediately prior. She was the General Manager Operations in Perth for the Colonial Le Leisure Group. Thank you for joining us, Carrie. Thank you for having me. We're also joined by, immediately to my right, Emma Locke, the venue manager for Beer Farm, an institution on the West Coast, and also Lee Bean, head of hospitality at Gage Roads Brewing, a little brew pub that's uh, just opened down the road. Now, Emma, let's, let's start with you. What for you is a brew pub? Is it a brewery that's got a tap room, or is it a hotel that's got a brewery? Or does this even matter in the way you approach hospitality? Um, I think it does. I think, um, obviously, the main thing that differentiates brew pubs from a lot of other hospitality offerings are the product that we're offering. And that, you know, in the, either in the same shed, the next shed over, you've got a group of people that are putting so much passion into this product. And, you know, it's really our responsibility as the hospitality team to make sure that's communicated to the public and communicated to everyone that comes through the tap room. So I think it always starts with the product. Um, but I think your kind of hospitality offering really builds from there. I think it's going to be different for every business, but I think you just really need to understand um, what, who you want to be from, you know, the passion of the marketing team, um, the brewers, as I say, you know, you want to, everyone that drinks a beer elsewhere, you want to make sure they're getting the same experience when they come through your brew pub. So I think understanding, you know, who your values are, being able to communicate your brand story and just making sure that you stay really authentic to that um, and create a really authentic experience to your brand. There we go, lucky I, I know my questions. Carrie, hospitality keeps coming up. And one of the things that we've seen when, as the craft beer market has grown, it was breweries and it was about beer. And many of them put a tap room in because it was a great way to engage people, but it was almost an afterthought. Can you get away with that anymore? Like, can you just have people pouring beer as an adjunct to your brewery, or do you have to have an understanding of what hospitality is? I actually think it's a combination. It's uh, it is understanding hospitality, but it's also a love of beer, um, and you should be able to not just pour a beer. You know, you've got the right millage, you've got the right head, but it's actually understanding what that beer is about um, and showing that passion through um, and as soon as you've got passion through going for how you pour your beer so how it tastes uh, and then it you know, flows through to the hospitality side so it actually goes arm in arm. So what is hospitality? What, you know, what should we, when we're talking about hospitality in a brew pub what are we actually talking about? 
Um, hospitality in a brew pub should be no different to hospitality in another venue. Um, it's down to how you meet and greet your guests. It's how, you know, the passion for the product that you have. Um, you know, over, you know, certainly over the last few years with everything with COVID, um, it has actually changed the, the face of, you know, what hospitality is, um, you know, with really the lack of uh, team members that are coming through. Um, but it's just getting the team members that you have and inspiring them to, you know, be behind the product that you have, um, inspire them to, to love the job that they do, whether it's a part-time job during uni or it's their career. Um, but it's then that hospitality back to the guests, um, you know, in, in the way you interact with them and the way you make them treat them like they're in your home. And I guess, uh, Lee, that's one of the, the challenges that, that we've got. We're not talking about one size of brew pub. We've got beer farm. We have, you know, very, very small venues. And then we've got uh, venues like the Gage Roads A-Shed, um, which is a, a huge venue. Is, is there one mindset for hospitality regardless of the size and it's just scaled with more people or uh, you know do you have to do you approach it differently depending on your size yeah look I think the basics of hospitality remain the same regardless of the, the size of the venue and obviously I've been 1500 people capacity it's um, it's difficult to be able to give you know a very intimate experience but I think the basics are the same that you want to welcome people in you want to give them a, a an experience where they get to see your brand and get to get to feel it um, whether that's you know 1500 people or 50 I think just the scale of of how far you can go maybe just needs to be toned back um, and you know the difficulties around giving people a good experience is trying to get the right people and create the right culture to be able to deliver that experience. So, so yeah, I do think so. It, it, it does need to change based on the, the, the volume of what you have. When you're at the size of Lions venues or the, the, the Gage venue and you've got a head of operations for hospitality, you've probably got an advantage over a small brew pub where it's the brewer who is in charge of everything. Um, what are the, when you say good hospitality, what are the things that you can instill, even at the smallest venue, in terms of the feel of the venue, the uh, training of the staff, the knowledgeability of the staff, how welcoming they are? How do you do that at, at, at a small scale? Uh, look, I think it starts from, from day one when you're building and designing a venue. You want to make sure that the entry experience for a customer is great. You want to make sure that, you know, the ambience, the heating, the lighting, the air conditioning, the feel, the music um, gives that, you know, that guest a hug as, a, as when they walk into the venue. And then on that, you want to build on the customer experience by having the best staff possible to welcome people in, to, to say farewell to them, I think, is, uh, is the basis of, of the starter getting that right. Is it, is it enough just to have people pouring beer um, anymore? Nah, definitely not. I think I think people are okay. So there are three heads. <laughs> I, I might get each of you to answer that question then, and and, and put your own take on it. Nah, definitely not. I think um, you know staff need to be really engaged and, and really understand what product they're delivering to people. Um, they need to have a, a great knowledge of it and a, a bit of a passion for it as well. I think always helps it helps people talk about it if they're passionate about what they're what they're delivering. I'll, I'll take it to you, Carrie, uh, on the same one, because Steve Jeffers, who was one of the uh, owners of the local tap house in Melbourne, which was one of the iconic early craft beer venues, he started off by hiring beer geeks, as, as he liked to talk about it, but he realised that you can train hospitality, good hospitality people in beer, but it can be a little bit harder to train beer geeks to be good hospitality staff. Is that is is that a fair assessment, or you know, what what makes a good hospitality staff member? 
It's, it's, it's like trying to get a, someone who does cocktails or a mixologist or whatever you want to call them to actually run a plate of food. It's the same thing. Um, you know, I'm the bar and that's my little, you know, unit of, of what I do. Um, yeah, it is harder, but uh, again, we have to be so flexible these days. You know, it can't be just... We don't have the luxury, I think, of having just bar geek, you know, beer geeks and just floor. We have to be, you know, a part where, you know, traffic and, and the way that people come into venues, you know, can be so up and down from one day to the next. If we're not cross-trained across the board, um, it's, it's where, you know, the customer experience suffers. Emma, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. And I think what's really important from a Bruper perspective as well is just making sure that um, all of your different teams and departments are really integrated as well. So when you are doing kind of staff training, making sure there's always some of the brew crew there, um, making sure those interdepartmental relationships are really strong. Um, and just making sure that kind of the history and the culture of the business is communicated in staff training as well, just making sure that your front of house team are really invested in who you are as a business and how you want to communicate that. Inclusivity is a big topic these days and, you know, I, I, as a 50-year-old man, I remember the days of pubs where it was just the clutch claw of beers spilled on a table um, and you'd roll your sleeves up and there was a very unattractive element to pub beer service in, in those days. Has that changed and should it change or, you know, in, in terms of making more people feel included in the brew pub experience? Take it from, from myself. I mean, I didn't start drinking beer until sort of my mid-20s um, because there wasn't a lot of, you know, variety of beers out there. Um, I think it's uh, the way beers are done these days is, is more to a different style of palate. Um, it's more inclusive, you know, from your sours, from your, you know, your hazies to your IPAs to, you know, even your, your basic lagers. Um, it is actually people have a more of a, a cross, um, so their palates can actually try multiple beers um, and then, you know, thus be enjoyable in a venue that it's not just, you know, anyone just drinking Swan Draft. But I guess that's the brewer's job is to create that diversity um, in, in, in styles for more palates. How do you shape your hospitality experience, uh, Lee, to bring that, you know, to, to engage that broader subset of people, you know, so more people who feel comfortable in the space that they're consuming that wide range of beers? Yeah, I think it's, it's very similar to what Carrie said around having that um, diversity in your product, being able to give people, you know, multiple experiences through different styles of beers and other beverage offerings, I think is really important to, to kind of attract that broader demographic to it. I think, um, you know, food comes into play then as well, and you want to have a, a menu that's quite diverse and big for different occasions um, and, and kind of being open to all those different, different um, demographics and occasions is really important. It's been interesting, as you see around the country, that the nature of hotels has changed. We've seen big hotel groups come along. Uh, hotels have tended, particularly in Queensland, where I'm from, and other parts of the country, not so much in Western Australia, but they've become pokey venues and off-licence bottle shops, and the pub is basically cheap beer, cheap food to get people in to lose money on the pokies is almost the, the, the offer, and brew pubs have moved into the ground of the local that uh, breweries, that pubs used to occupy and they don't have plasma screens, families are comfortable being there. Is, is that something that brew pubs need to lean into, Emma, um, to you know, provide the, the third space where people feel comfortable with families and having a conversation and not just being there for the big night out? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, especially in Margaret River, like a lot of the, the breweries, they're very much daytime venues, they're quite large scale, they're all really, really inclusive, but you know, everyone's got a very different style of the way they do things. Um, I think, 
Um, obviously, looking at the silver linings of the last couple of years, I think a lot of venues have been able to really, um, really look at their offering and kind of redefine what they are to the local community. Um, and I think really understanding what in your venue brings value to people. Why, what are people trying to achieve while they're there? Um, if it's not bringing value to your customers, if it's not bringing value to your staff, a lot of people have kind of really stripped back their offering, which I think is really nice and simplified it. How much do you, you, you've talked about differentiation and stripping back the offering. There was a period where just about the, the, the food in every brew pub was the same. It was, you know, the, the dude food, the sliders, the wings, that sort of thing. Is that, you know, obviously it's ticking boxes for some people, but is that quality hospitality if, you, if you're just doing what everyone else is doing? Or is it, do you need to think about your own venue and the context of what you want to achieve in food offering, for example, and the way that you serve food? I mean, I think that style of you know, hospitality and food offering definitely has its place. But I think it's really nice to see people being a lot more experimental with their food offering now, which is, um, yeah, it's really great. And I think people leaning into um, a lot more of the kind of food events, beer degustations, which are getting really interesting, a lot more of food pairing we're seeing now, which is great. And as you say, hospitality being a lot more... Um, invested in and a lot more at the forefront of people's minds, less of an afterthought, you know, as an add-on brew pub. How much is the brew pub experience different from the pub experience? And and should it be, or should it be the same thing, or should you look to be different? Um, Carrie, I guess you've, you've, you're have doing both at the moment, or you, you, you're looking much more at the brew pub experience. Um, well, if you think about it, with the brew pub experience, um, you've got the freshest beer that you're going to taste. Um, so I guess... If you can sort of marry up your food that goes along with that as well, you know, fresh is best. It's it's fresh straight out of you know the tanks, you know, especially in in Perth venues um, and Fremantle, you know, in our CBD sort of area, we don't have to travel down south three hours to to enjoy that, you know, that experience of you know the freshest beer that you're going to have. So ultimately, you'd want a menu to to really reflect that. And plus, everybody's dietary restrictions these days. Everyone's whether it's keto, vegan, gluten free, you have to be inclusive. So um, it, you have to tick a lot of boxes. That's a very different experience, Lee, uh, from just opening a venue and having the one menu. Is, is that a challenge operationally? And you know, can you just sort of say, well, I don't want to appeal to everybody um, as a brew pub? Um, look, I think it's a difficult one. I mean, um, food is so important these days to, to venues and, and brew pubs in particular. I think um, a lot of people are more opinionated these days on food and, and kind of really know what they want. Um, but I think you definitely you definitely need to tailor your menus towards the environment that you're in. And, you know, scale is another thing that, you know, the kitchen needs to be able to pump out big volume at one time. And, um, yeah, I think it's a really, really, really important part of, of hospitality these days is the, the food and the diversity. Something I probably should have started with um, is whose responsibility is hospitality in, in, in a venue? Um, and, and, and how broadly does, does their responsibilities go in terms of is hospitality the aesthetic of the venue, the look of the venue, the, you know, what, what you see when you're coming in? Or is hospitality the staff, the service, and, and those sorts of things? Uh, Lee? Uh, look, I think hospitality is for everyone that works in a venue. I think um, one thing for us is trying to create a culture that, that everyone is focused on hospitality, be that someone who works in the office or someone who works, you know, as a yardie. I think, um, we try and breed that, that culture of people of, you know, if there's a dirty table, well, then you get in and you clear it because 
been a 1500 people capacity venue you can't really point the finger and say you know you need to do that it needs to be built from the ground up so I think creating that culture of hospitality like you're welcoming someone into your own house every time that you come to work you need to treat it that way that you know you're welcoming people in you're giving them some food and drinks and then you're, you're wishing them farewell I think um, the culture around hospitality is really important so that everyone's on the same page with that. Kerry, what are the keys to creating that sort of culture? Is it because you're taking a national approach to hospitality um, for Lion, so you'll be, I'd imagine, trying to get the same level nationally um, that, that you get in any one of your venues. How do you build a culture for a, for, for a small business that can scale? Um, I think it actually starts with the, the leaders of the business. Um, there's a lot of people who can manage, but can they lead? Um, and that's that's something that, you know, it, it starts at the top. Um, and, you know, it's great when you open a new venue, you can start from the bottom up, but when you're walking into something that's been over 20 years, you, you've got some layers that you need, need to peel back. Um, and I think, you know, it, it does start with your leadership group um, and it's understanding, you know, the values of them themselves to the values of the company um, and uh, sort of mentoring them to, to learn to lead. Um, you know, it shouldn't have to be teaching skills to managers. That's why you're in that role. But are they actually leading the team? And I think that's that's the big difference is is getting them to feel comfortable, getting them to feel good about, you know, who they are as, as leaders in the business and switching their, their train of thought. I'm not sure whether I'm telling tales out of school, but you said you, you are looking for an operations manager who is very hands-on, not just somebody that can inspire. A, a lot of managers want to be the inspirational, but you want somebody who can actually do as well. How important is that? Um, the role um, at Creatures that I'm looking for is incredible. So we can do a it's job right, ad if anyone's okay, looking for a job. Okay. I am looking for an ops <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to go to that level of detail, but it was an interesting idea. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it is it is that sort of balance of, you know, um, being firm, fair, setting expectations, having a width of acceptance, you know, if you're, as you were saying, willing to walk past a dirty table and not pick up that dirty table, then, you know, you're, you know the rest of the team will go, well, I can do the same. Um, so it is, you know, looking for someone who can lead the team, um, not just sort of skill-based. I mean, that does come part of it, and Carter training, it's very important as well. But it's, you know, we all say leading by example, but it, it's actually you've got to be tried and tested and, and actually be there. And, um, you know, there's always a level of office work. Sorry, I'm rambling, guys. But, yeah, it is. It's looking for someone to inspire that and to, to lead by example. Do they have to be a dedicated hospitality person? Because, again, we're, we're talking about the smallest brew pubs up to some of the largest institutions. Do you need a dedicated hospitality manager or can a mindset and a culture grow from even a small venue? Um, chefs can go to France <laughs> uh, as an ex-chef myself, um, but oh, I don't know, that's a hard one. I mean, I, I, hospitality, unless it's kind of in your DNA, it's, yeah, I don't know how someone would actually deal with that, so that's a, I wouldn't be able to answer that question. Okay. Do you want to have a go at that, Emma, because you are a much smaller venue, and I guess, um, well, you are the venue manager, so or the hospitality manager, so you do have a dedicated one. But how hard is it for a smaller venue to have very distinct skill sets within an operation? I think it's it's tough. It is really difficult, and it's only you know the last couple of years really have only made things a lot harder. There's no two ways about it. We've seen a huge amount of people leave the hospitality industry. Um, we're very lucky at Beer Farm. We've got an incredible team, and 
they've been very happy to jump in. <laughs> We've had sales crew on the, on the bar, brewers on the floor, <laughs> front of house team in the kitchen. You know, everyone does a little bit of everything. And, and I think that really starts, as we said, hospitality starts with the people and the culture. Um, but I think as we're seeing new people come into the hospitality industry now, just making sure, you know, it's our responsibility as kind of department leaders that they are aware of the career pathways in hospitality. You know, it's not always been seen as a career. Um, but there are so many opportunities now and just making sure that um, we're really understanding, you know, who in your team wants to kind of make that transition, who wants to go through that development process and just making sure that we really facilitate that. It, it, it's interesting in a way this discussion about creating a world-class brew pub could touch on so many areas of business and tourism and marketing because it, I guess it all comes in. But you've, you've touched on skill shortages and in Australia particularly, service, service jobs aren't seen as a profession for a lot of people. It's seen as something you do while you're at a university, you know, and high turnover of staff. How do you build a culture, a service culture that creates a, a, a class experience when you have that constant turnover and you've got the mindset that isn't, this is my career? I mean, firstly, trying to really minimise that turnover. Um, and I think, again, that just really goes back to investment in your people. Um, but I think... Talk, but talk about that. So what is investing in your people? Um, it, it, in the nuts and bolts of the brew pub world, what is investing in your people? I think understanding where they want to go. You know, the, when you work within a brewery operation, the possibilities are endless. You know, we don't just want to develop people through the hospitality department. Um, if they want to move into the sales team, if they want to move into the production team, just making sure that we're really having those conversations and really invest, investing in them within their education. You know, are there any external courses we can put them through? Um, interdepartmental training that we can do with them. Um, and I think just in terms of, you know, the consistent hospitality experience, I think just making sure everyone has a really consistent onboarding, I think that's super, super important. It starts from day one. The training is consistent, you know, the site tours meet all of the departments. Everyone feels kind of included and invested in from day one. How do you take that and apply it to a larger venue uh, like Gage? Lee, when you don't quite have the same one-on-one -on -one contact at the same level. How, how does that scale? Yeah, look, I think one of the lucky things is that um, we got to build this venue from the ground up again. So, you know, the, the, the onboarding, the training programs that we put in place were put in place right at the very start. We were able to attract a large group of people, you know, get them all in together and, and deliver that training program to them, um, onboard them correctly, and then continuous training from then on in um, was really good for us because, you know, 1,500 people capacity venue, we have 200 staff. It's a lot of people to try and capture all, all at once. So then um, we've dedicated training managers then that, that look into ongoing training and, and any new recruitment that comes in, they kind of fall into the same training program. So we've been very lucky that, um, I've been very lucky that we've been part of this project from, from day one so we could kind of focus on, on this moving forward because it it's the, the fundamentals and the foundation of a, a good hospitality business. Can you scale it? And again, looking at a national level, Carrie, is, is that a challenge to take the, the very one-on-one -on -one touch point of a small brew pub and build that out? 
You almost need to make that time and effort, regardless of the size of the business. Um, you don't want people to feel lost, people to just feel that they're a number, um, just just a number, you know. Um, so it is, you know, like you've got dedicated training people that actually are that touch point. So it shouldn't matter if you've got 200 staff or 20 staff. You should try and especially in those first, you know, especially those first few weeks that they're not overwhelmed, that they've, you know, they actually feel sort of safe and actually feel part of things rather than, all right, here's an apron, here's a number, there's a till code, thanks for coming. Um, it, it, it shouldn't matter if you've got 20, 200, 2,000, you still need to have that little bit of personalised touch. Um, so that, you know, the new team members, especially the younger generation coming through, um, you know, it can be quite overwhelming. I can imagine, you know, you've got all these people and all these, you know, team members and you're 18 and you've never worked hospitality. It, it can be overwhelming. So it's ensuring that there's a safe space for, for them to, to be able to have someone they can talk to, have a touch person in a venue, um, you know, and I said with your training guys, that's the perfect way to do it. Just before we go to questions, um, and I'll bring the mic down if anyone's got any questions. I'm going to ask two questions that I want each of you to answer. Um, starting with you, Lee, what is an example of what Australian craft brewery, you know, brew pubs are doing really well? I think the quality of beer these days is just phenomenal. I think like you can go into many craft breweries around the country and just the flavour of beer and, and how clean a beer tastes is just phenomenal. So the brewers that are out there these days are really passionate about delivering quality product and I think that's a um, testament to them. So you can get away with just having good beer? <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. But I think the, the fundamentals start from kind of your product, so whether that's um, beer or food. But I think it's a really key component to, to venues and hospitality. Okay. Carrie? I'd actually have to agree. It is it is a product, you know, and especially having uh, the amount of different flavours and, it, you know, appeals to so many different people's palates and tastes. That is a great start. Um, and you tend to find people actually really passionate when they've actually got a good product to sell that uh, that person behind the bar tends to be a little passionate about what they do. Yeah, I Emma? totally agree. I think the investment and care and consideration that people who run brew pubs are putting into their hospitality offering now is incredible. We're seeing some really incredible offer offerings on the market now. We'll start from this end for, for the, the harder question now. Oh God. What aren't Australian uh, brew pubs doing or what is the one thing that is consistently needs improvement? Look, I think, um, you know, one of the things that we aren't doing um, the best or, or as best as we could is probably delivering that full-on experience for people. But I think it comes down to the kind of skill shortages that we're facing in hospitality at the moment and um, bringing people in that are less experienced and people have a very high standard of what... Um, customers have a very high standard of what they want to be delivered. I think some of the problems that we face um, through skill shortages is holding us back from fully delivering that all the time. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, but also to a point, and this may get me in trouble, but uh, um, it's also the, the public's perception to, to maybe step back 10% of maybe what their expectations is, um, you know, with everything going on. Um, you know, the, the team try their best. Um, look, we could always do better, um, but at the end of the day, it's, it, it's a cross between, you know, the public's expectation. Of course, we've got, it. we've got to, you know, be the best of what we can do, but sometimes that's not always possible with that skill shortage that we have. I think I maybe want to put a little bit more of a positive spin on it. <laughs> um, maybe not something that we've not been doing well, but something that I think we'll see a lot um, more over the next couple of years is um, a lot more reinvestment into events. I think um, we've really missed events over the last couple of years, and it's going to be really exciting to see a few more of those pop up. Okay. Well, do you think they'll get back to the scale that we saw, or are we going to see much more smaller events until people's risk tolerance 
I think it'll be a gradual build. Hopefully we'll get back there. Um, and I think that will be really crucial to um, kind of getting people from the other states back over to WA, putting on some really great events. But I think, yeah, it will take a while for us to get there. Does anyone have any questions? Uh, guys, I want to touch on the skills shortage and the lack of people that we have to staff hospitality venues. Can you share with us some innovative or creative strategies you guys have implemented to get staff and keep them in your venues? Um, yeah, I think uh, one of the things we're focused on is really creating that culture among staff that you know people uh, want to come and work at, uh, at our venues. I think um, we're in the middle of organising just a massive staff party in, in July where we're going to close the venue down and have just an absolute tear the roof off. Um, and we want it to be a thing that people talk about and, and you know the youngsters that we employ will tell their friends and then their friends will talk about it and say, oh, that's a great place to go and work. And you know, even through the onboarding process with you know simple things like giving people um, a couple of pieces of merch or you know a couple of six packs to take away um, as they as they come into the business, um, we just want to create that space where people kind of um, tell their mates it's a good place to work. Just on that, Emma, you work in a region. Do you need to attract people to the business or do you need to attract them to the region to work for you? I mean, we are very much in a tourist region, so it is very seasonal. We are seeing a lot more people coming down now, so um, I guess the struggles have changed slightly. Um, there are more people in the region. Um, I think... There are a lot more platforms available to us now, which have been great. Tourism WA have just um, launched a hospitality recruitment platform and WA Good Food Guide as well. So people, there is kind of, there are resources out there. And I think in terms of, you know, once you do have the backpackers coming through, you do have your seasonal workers coming through, um, like we say, just making sure there's that investment in them. And again, there are, uh, there are other resources out there that are avail available to our industry. Um, the, the Pink Boot Society are putting on a mentorship program to really kind of develop um, women in the industry through education and there are a lot of other kind of bodies like that. So just making sure you're aware of the resources available to you. Carrie, did you have anything to add to that one? Um, it, it's again attracting but once we actually you know uh, have them in, in venue make it a bit of fun for them um, and it's not just you have to work every weekend you have to work every night having a little bit of work-life balance from you know the from the from the beginning um, it's it's not like when I started and it was ridiculous amount of hours it is pushing back to you know you can have a bit of a social life and do hospitality but also try and make it a fun environment as well for them any questions Danny um what review platforms do you monitor and what's your standard response to a complaint? Does everybody get a free something if they complain? Um, look, I'm only just going to go on past experience um, with uh, the last company I, I worked for. Um, we had a platform where basically all reviews would come in and that's something that you know, I want to certainly do with, um, with Lion. Um, but it's a personalised response. It's not just, thank you for your response. You know, we're going to send it on to the management team. Um, it's actually reaching out to that guest and actually understanding you know, what their concerns were um, and whether or not they can... You know, uh, fix it over a phone call, an apology, a little bit more personalised, um, rather than just, hey, here's a free meal or here's a free beer. It's actually understanding what happened, what went wrong, and what the team could actually do better next time. Lee, do you have to respond to every complaint? And it, it, the, there are so many vectors that they can come in, whether it's email or text or you know, Facebook, or you know, people just want to have a bit of a whinge wherever they is most convenient to them. How do you respond and do you respond to everything? Yeah, we, we do try and respond directly to every person who has, a, has some feedback to give. Um, a lot of the times, you know, it's just by um, a quick response to someone and not going into too much detail. If it's a legitimate complaint that we've received three or four times, we'll try and get back to people and whether that's offering um, 
uh, a voucher or something like that to get them back in again is important. But yeah, I think we do review um, any feedback and complaints that we get. We don't we don't focus on it as a major part of our business. Um, I think you know focusing on what we're doing in venue is kind of more important these days because most platforms are just a place where people can have a whinge, and it's very hard to um, you know not let that affect employee morale if they're saying online reviews too. I guess, sorry, Emma? I was just going to say, one thing we've actually um, implemented over the last couple of years, we now we've put in a booking system, is everyone receives a post-dining email, um, and we have a bit of a feedback um, form on there. Um, and that has been so valuable for us in kind of, um, you know, kind of making changes and developing what we're doing. And I think because you kind of reach out proactively for the feedback, it's a lot more constructive. Um, so I think, yeah, that's really helped us. Do people respond? Yeah, Because absolutely. you get a million emails a week and it's often, you know, people are all busy. But do you, you do get a good response to those emails? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's just making sure that, yeah, it's not, here's 10 essay questions. You know, it's, it's a 30-second, you know, feedback questionnaire and then just any additional comments at the bottom. And, yeah, it's really been really valuable. Do you offer a reward for the time that they've invested in giving you that feedback? I think that's something that we've actually just put in this week. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Any questions? Thank you so much for sharing your um, insights. One of the things I've noticed coming from a couple of generations back of hospitality is the way we market a brew pub has changed. And now we're looking towards, obviously, Generation Alpha and X. Um, do you have any insights on how... <laughs> I know it's alpha no, no, now. Alpha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all a learning curve. <laughs> but do you how do you see that cuz you know these are the kids that are coming with the families. These are my kids going to the brew pubs now. How will that do you how do you think that will change in 10 or 15 years time when these will be your customers? I actually think they're going to be more aware. Um, you know, uh, with, with my generation and when we went out for dinner, it was a birthday, it was a special occasion. Um, they're so more, such more savvy now when it comes to, you know, what they like, what they dislike. Um, so hopefully it'll be a good thing. Um, it just means that, you know, everyone can sort of raise the bar, but I think they're going to be a lot more informed. Um, of what good service is, what good food is. So hopefully, you know, if they do head into our industry, they know what sort of standards they need to have. I said this panel could go anywhere and we're talking about marketing to millennials on, on the, after lunch. Emma, is, is there a difference in the hospitality expectation for, you know, consumers of different age groups that we need to be aware of? Um, yeah, I think there is. Yeah, different age groups we see have very different standards and I think we're seeing now um, the um, things that people are drinking, things that people are consuming are starting to change. Um, so it's just making sure that we're always kind of, you know, following those trends, making sure we're always kind of looking on the horizon, you know, what's happening next and not changing who you are, not, you know, still being authentic to your brand, but just making sure that you are kind of, you know, moving with the times and making sure there is something available for everyone. Hey, um, I guess we're talking about brew pubs, so I understand um, the definition of that is being defined earlier that it's sort of attached to the brewery and hospitality's adjacent or in another shed, as, as Emma put it. Um, I think the investment that goes into actually a functioning brewery is obviously very pricey. So I think we're going to start seeing some more sort of hole-in-the-wall venues that are associated with a brand but not necessarily a brew pub. How do you keep that connection back to the brewery and, you know, keep the vibe alive when you're not actually attached to the production facility or, like you say, you don't have the brewers right there or, or anything like that? I think it really comes back to, um, you know, really investing in those interdepartmental relationships, whether they're on your teams are on the same site or not, making sure that they're 
they have a lot of those touch points and making sure we're really kind of fostering that culture. And I think, yeah, just bringing your kind of brewing ethos through your hospitality offering as well. So whatever that is, if it's, you know, working with um, local suppliers, local producers, um, really kind of getting involved in your community, making sure that's really translated through your hospitality offering, no matter how big or small. Lee, did you want to... Yeah, uh, look, I think it's, it's you know, staff training is a really important part of that as well as, you know, you need, if you don't have your facilities on site, your staff need to be fully in, engaged and involved in that, that process that's happening and be able to kind of, you know, speak about the beers and, and whatever you're doing in venue, um, in particular to exactly what, what's happening in the brewery. I think it's really important. And I think that's a, a great question. We have started to see some more traditional hotels start to look at putting breweries in and is that still a brew pub or is you know how, how does a, a business that is focusing on the brewing the, the, the brewing but has the retail component um, in that brew pub mindset how do you mark yourself out as being different from maybe a big hospitality venue I might throw that one to Carrie given you've come from a, a big hospitality group um, how, how does a smaller brew pub or a, or a beer focused venue uh, mark itself out as different from some of the newer models that are coming in to capture that brewing feel? I, I guess, the again, I can only speak on, you know, past experience. Um, you know, colonial beers are attached to the colonial pubs, but they're not necessarily, like, you've, you know, you've got the, the brew down in Margaret River, you know, um, and in uh, Port Melbourne, but the ethos still transcribes into the general commercial terms, you know, whether it's tap placement, whether it's, you know, training of the team, um, and that's sort of their, their focus as soon as people come in, you know, what do you want to drink? Well, these are our beers, um, more than necessarily the other commercial side. Uh, look, I think it's also, you know, been true to your brand and, and given that brand experience, um, regardless of whether you have a facility that's brewing on site. And I think once people come in and they get to experience what you're trying to deliver and being true to your brand, I think that's a really important important piece to it all. I, I might keep this one with you then, Lee, because Gage was always a large production brewery that has increasingly gotten into the hospitality um, as, as a, I guess, a touch point for consumers to visit more locally. Is, is there a different mindset when you approach hospitality and, and the brew pub model coming from that background than if you're just a small, a much smaller regional brew pub uh, wanting to be very localised? Uh, yeah, look, I, I think um, for, for Gage, um, you know, we've been around for a long time and this was an opportunity for us to, to show people our home. You know, we, we didn't have a facility where we could take um, people in and give them a true experience to what we were trying to deliver. And we have, you know, a perfect opportunity now. We're, we're you know, right on the water in Fremantle. We're delivering that kind of coastal experience and, and coastal lifestyle like we are as a brand. Um, so I think we've been very lucky in that space that, you know, people know who we are. And then as soon as we opened our doors to our new home, people were able to come in and, and really experience that. Probably got time for one more question if anyone's... Um, you talked about development and interdepartmental relationships. Do you find that when you find a real diamond in the rough of hospitality staff, they can be somewhat poached into other departments of a business? And if so, is that a massive threat, threat to the growth and development of hospitality in the future? That's a great question coming from the guy that just poached one of my hospitality staff. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I don't see it as a threat. I think, you know, we see a lot of people come through the hospitality business and hospitality, you know, isn't for everyone. And I think from, well, from my perspective at Beer Farm, if I can help 
develop someone with skills that they can take so far beyond Beer Farm. That's all I want to do, you know? It's not just, the de development is not just confined to those walls. Um, and I think we're in a very fortunate position that um, we can offer them, you know, different career pathways. Um, and I think that's something that's really special, and I think we should really foster that. You know, we don't want to keep people where they don't want to be. So if they're really passionate about moving into the production area or the sales team, I think that's phenomenal, and we should, we should encourage that. Thank you very much for joining us for the panel on creating world-class brew pub. Big round of applause to my panel, uh, Lee Bean, Carrie Watson, and Emma Locke. Thanks to Bintani for making the recording of this panel discussion possible. Bintani supplying the brewing industry with a wide range of quality brewing ingredients since 1995.